Hi there, I'm Sarah Zarella, a portrait and wedding photographer and your host for Wedding Secrets Unveiled. This is a podcast where we cut through the complexity of wedding planning, leaving you with everything you need to know direct from the industry experts. If you want to simplify your wedding planning while having fun, of course, you came to the right place. Join me while I guide you through your planning, starting from your engagement to your big day where you say, I do. After photographing for the past 18 years, I am sharing with you tips and tricks to cut through the excess noise because I believe from the moment you said yes, your planning experience should be a magical time in your life. Here you'll find episodes that are fun, stress-free, and straight to the point with a fresh, honest take about the reality of what you really need to know about planning your perfect day. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Wedding Secrets Unveiled podcast, friends. I'm your host, Sarah Zarella, and I am here with a very special guest to me, Jen. Can you tell our listeners who you are, who you serve, and what you do in your business? Absolutely. So my name is Jen Bovey. I uh, am the broker owner for Keller Williams Coastal here in Rhode Island. We have seven locations for real estate, and we service every type of home buyer, home seller, commercial, land, everything in between. And a big piece of what I do is I help agents grow their businesses and work with us at Keller Williams Coastal. I love it. How many years have you been doing this now? I don't want to say. It is <laughs> over 20. Something like 21, 22 years. Yeah, because I've been doing it for 21 years. Yes. And, and me and you, we've met back in the day. Long time ago. I did your headshots. Yes. One of my original. I yes. don't even want to show you my original because you it was a turtleneck. It was not good, Sarah. Um, <laughs> you recovered me, and I think it was about 2004 or five with my first real professional I, it's funny because I get that memory popped up on my Facebook <laughs> yeah. every now and then because we must have like tagged each other because I think you came with your father at the time. Oh, that was a, that was at least the second or third time <laughs> for headshots with us. So well, yes. enough said. I mean, you've been a loyal client of mine. I did your wedding. Oh yes, and your little one. I photograph her all the time since she was uh, born. And I've watched your career blossom. Yeah, you're like the go-to gal over here, and so I'm happy to have you. Well, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. What do you have in front of you? So I brought with me a book. It's called Your First Home, and it was it, it's by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan. It is the Proven Path to Homeownership book. It is an absolutely resource for anybody who is either purchasing their new home or just got into their first home. It really is just a, a book full of value for a pathway to homeownership. Yeah, and what we'll do is let's do a little giveaway. I would love that. To our listeners. So on the air date, let's do an Instagram giveaway for all of our listeners. I will tag Jen and myself, and we will have this book up for grabs. We're going to ask you guys to rate and review the show, and we'll have instructions today on Instagram about how to win Great. a copy. Perfect. Well, Jen, let's dive right in, sure. right? So... We have our listeners, they're either newly engaged, thinking about engaging, being engaged, or know someone who is, right? And a lot of times, what goes hand in hand to that, right, is starting a new chapter in your life. Right. And that's home. Buying a house, right? <laughs> home ownership, yes. right? Yes. Tell me about it. Sure. So let, let's start from where I started. Uh, back in 2001, when I got my real estate license, I was lucky enough to start doing first-time home buyers then. I was 22 years old and the buyers in that time frame were my friends. And uh, so I really, I started out by doing first-time home buyer seminars back at American Power Conversion, which is a local company. And 
I would go there and just teach a group of people how to purchase their first house. And honestly, that's how I got a lot of my experience was teaching through teaching this experience. And I would always bring a lender with me, a home inspector with me, and we would go through the process and, and just talk about what that experience looked like from the start to the interview to going getting pre-approved and then beyond. So if you were to start from the very beginning, yes, take me to it. Yes. So my first piece of advice would be to meet with a professional. So I would say, um, you know, a lot of times buyers think going right to the listing agent or right to the house in general is the best option for them to get the best deal, especially if you don't know, right? You don't know what you don't know. They'll go right to that listing agent. The best thing for a buyer is to go to a buyer representative to go have a consultation where they're going to work on their best behalf to be able to negotiate for them and really work for them throughout the entire transaction because there is a lot involved when you're buying your first house. Interesting. So do you find that people, let's say they are looking to buy their first house and they go and they just look at the listings and then they go to that agent that's listing the house? Right. So that listing agent is representing that seller. So they really can't look out for your best interest fully. They could treat you honestly, fairly and and all of that great things, but they can't negotiate on your behalf and, and they can't really pull comparable properties or give them any advice that would help them negotiate a better deal or inspections or, or throughout the whole process. So you find that the first and foremost thing to do is yes. just find an agent for yourself. Absolutely. And you know what? We, there are a lot of agents out there and I'm pretty sure you know somebody who knows somebody kind of thing. Ask around and ask who is the best agent that they know. And you don't always have to go with the first person you hear. Really work with somebody who you feel is going to look out for you and your best interests and fits well with your personality. Do you find that in your industry it's customary for people to call around and quote unquote interview agents? So, you know, crazy enough, Sarah, statistically with the National Association of Realtors, you, you don't see that the home buyers actually go and interview multiple agents. What they do is they go with the first person who is referred to them. And most of the time, that's always the, the best option, most of the time. Um, what I would say is just make sure that the agent that you do select to work with you does fit the personality and type that you're looking for, meaning that they know all of the the area you're looking to purchase in, know all of the strategies for negotiating, know all the strategies for financing, because every buyer is different. And a lot of times if your agent or, or representatives don't have the information or knowledge to give you, you might miss out on something. Yeah. So that is a good tip. So call around, Find the person that's right for you. Then what? I'm. You know what? Before you call around, ask your friends and family who they use because I, I, I'm sure that they have had great representatives in their corner that they could share with you. Yeah. And then, like you said, though, it's going to be the best match for you and that's what right. you're looking for. That's right. So you get them on the phone or, you, or you're set up with an agent to represent yourself. Then what? What does the, the first-time home buyer have to consider? The next step is get into a consultation with that representative. In that consultation, you're then going to go through the process of what happens for that first-time home buying. So from 
qualifying properties, what your five must-haves or what your must-haves of purchasing a property would look like, what, what are things you absolutely do not want to include in your search. From there, your agent will then set up appointments to look at properties that fit that criteria. If you find yourself looking at many, many homes oh, well, you know, in today's market, anywhere, the market is challenging. Uh, if you find yourself looking at many homes, go back to your agent and say, hey, we, we might need to reestablish those criteria because I might have told you something a little, little different or didn't explain well because you really want to look at properties that fit exactly what you're looking for, at least your five must-haves. That's what I always say. Yeah, and a lot of times, too, if you're a first-time home buyer, you think something's important, but Absolutely. it's not until you start to step into these homes that you're like, ooh, like this is this is not important to me. I'm just curious, though, just throwing something at you. What do you find that, like, you said, like, the five must-haves, but what do you find, like, the one or two universal must have that you find that most couples say sure. to you. Well, well I'm just now, curious. you know, after after 2020 and COVID, you see a lot of uh, of first-time home buyers, any buyers looking for space, whether it be outdoor space for their pets or a space in their home where they could go to to work or have play or just chill out. Oh, interesting. Space. Yeah. Just an extra space because a lot of times we weren't thinking of that prior to 2020. It was we would go somewhere to go find some something to do. Now people are really looking at home spaces where they could do something there that keeps them occupied, or occupied, yeah. interested in, uh, you know, especially with the pets. The pets are a big thing that we're seeing right now that really the first time home buyers, they're buying houses not for their future families, <laughs> yet for their pets. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting trend now mm, that's absolutely. happening. Wow. All right. Well, so now we've talked about the, the five must-haves. Sure. You're going to go see property. What else happens in the very, like the very beginning stages of home buying? So after you do your consultation, after you start looking at properties, then you start narrowing it down and really considering what property you want to, to put an offer in on because that's the next step. As soon as you find that house that you say, you know what, it has what I was looking for on my checklist or my five must-haves, I'm ready to start making an offer. Well, prior to that, when you do your consultation, your, your representative will tell you that you need to have your financing in order. So meeting with a mortgage consultant is going to be your next or, or part of that process. Right, because you have to start budgeting for a down payment. Hopefully before you even meet with your agent, you've had that kind of thought in your head and what that looks like. Yet if you haven't, it's okay. They're going to help you figure that out along the whole process. Speaking of mortgages, your husband is in the industry, isn't he? I do, I do know somebody in the industry very well, yes. My husband, Matthew Kelly, is a loan officer with Movement Mortgage. Perfect. So look him up, listeners. And also, too, for our listeners, if you want to go back to that step one or two that Jen just talked about, I also have a podcast, episode number 29, with Danielle Gervais from Province Mortgage Associates. She was on, and you can listen to that episode. So, Jen, back to you, though. So you refer them to maybe your husband or someone else, right? right? And they get set up and they get their finances in order, right? 
Take me through that now. Right. So there are a lot of different programs out there for first-time home buyers. So you want to make sure when you're meeting with a mortgage lender that you're asking them the questions of what options do I have as a first-time home buyer? You know, there are FHA, there are VA, there are 203K. A lot of these things listeners are saying, what are you talking about? I said that when I first got into the business in 2001. Your loan officer is going to be the one that is going to really work through those with you, even if you don't know what they are, ask them, what are my options? Because if you are looking to go into a house that maybe needs a little cosmetic work or a little extra help, a 203k loan, Sarah, is a renovation loan. And that is something for first-time homebuyers that maybe they want to keep their reserve money and purchase something with this 203k loan and use the money from that program to get new appliances, maybe a new rug or something, new rugs or something like that. Yeah. And that could be a little overwhelming, sure. obviously, for the listener right now. They're hearing numbers and they're hearing syllables. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So that's why it's so important to have that professional on your side to explain the details of that, because they're not going to overwhelm you and say all of these things. They're going to say, here are the top two or three programs I think would fit for you and your needs. So that goes back down to what your step one was. Instead of going to the house and talking to the agent, find the agent for you because they're going to point you in the direction of, like you said, dealing with your mortgage and your options and what you have. And that those people are going to then narrow down the plans that are best for you. 100%. Perfect. Yes. So you told me a little bit about some of the things you should do for a first-time home buyer when it's dealing with their fi- financial st- finances. Tell me some stuff that they should not do. Oh my goodness, sir. First and foremost, you should not make any large purchases while you're going through any home purchasing project. I really, I can't say that enough or loud enough, or I could say it multiple times and we still get the buyers that do that. Uh, Whether they buy an engagement ring because they're excited or whether they go buy the furniture ahead of time or a new car, uh, that, that is one of the highest challenges buyers come across when purchasing a property, if they buy something large before they get to the closing table, that could affect them actually closing on the property because their debt to income is a big thing. And if you purchase something large, your debt to income could shift to push you out of purchasing that property. Okay. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. Okay. So you and you just named some of the big ones, right? One of them is probably something that some of these listeners have already done. Right. Which is their engagement ring. Right. Right? Because they're getting married, yes, right? Very exciting. What do you do? So if you've if if you have done this prior to making an offer on your property, when you're speaking with your professionals, just make sure you let them know. Just make sure that you let them know whether one party knows about it and the other doesn't. Just let the other the professional know that this is something that you don't want to have discovered in the process between the two of you purchasing. Yet it's something that you want to be well aware of in the process. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, you just kind of unveiled a little secret and a good nugget for them. I mean, because if you're a first-time home buyer, you don't think of these things. You're not in the industry. So just make sure that they know any big purchases that you already have done and don't if you right. haven't. Right. Got it. What 
other things should they not do? So other things is uh, just coming up with money, just just money that you can't really track or trace or figure out where it's from. If your lender, uh, if you put down a lot of money for a deposit, uh, your lender is going to have to figure out where that money came from. It just can't come from under the mattress or anywhere like that, if you know what I mean. Uh, it's It has to be trackable for your lender. So don't get into a situation where you just come up with money or somebody gives you money. There's a process behind all of that. So make sure you speak with your lender on any of that process. Another thing would be do not go look at properties without getting pre-approved or pre-qualified by that lender. Why? Because a lot of times you could really fall in love with a property and then when it comes down to figuring out your finances, you're over your budget and it's really disappointing and it's hard to recover and go look at houses and be excited when you realize that that's not going to be in your budget or in your future. So so first and foremost, make sure you you get that pre-approval or pre-qualification letter that indicates how much you could spend, what your monthly dollar is going to be, and it really lets you figure out what your negotiating power will be because you'll know that I could go up 10, 20,000 and I'm still within my budget. A lot of times people don't understand um, the increments of how mortgages go up. And it's not as significant as we may think, like from five to 10 or 20,000. It's not as big of a jump as we may think. So always get pre-approved, pre-qualified first before you go starting to look at those houses. Look at what that monthly dollar is going to be. Make sure you're comfortable with that. And uh, make sure that your five must-haves are in with that house that fits into that price range. Right. And then it, then it gives you a little bit more understanding of your leverage for your negotiations. Absolutely. So speaking of negotiations, right, talk to me now about, like, we found this house. Yes. We love it. It has our fives. What do we do now? Okay. I will tell you, a lot of times when you make an offer on a property, and it's not always, but sometimes you're not going to get your offer accepted. So I first want to make sure that we understand in setting the expectation that making an offer on a property that fits your criteria might not be the house that you end up in. And that happened a lot in the last couple of years with the market that we're just coming out of. Buyers were exhausted and probably are still exhausted from putting offer after offer after offer in and not getting accepted because of the demand of the market. The market is now changing nationwide. Inventory is still going to be a challenge, so you still might come up against this. So the first and foremost thing is when you're putting an offer in, know that this is an offer and this is not a deal. Because you just don't want to get emotionally invested into a property that you might not be living in in the next 30 days. And that happened, unfortunately, happened a lot in our industry over the last couple of years with the market the way it's been. You know, I, it, you, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that, like, I watched a lot of my couples, a lot of my friends, and uh, some of them just had to walk away from the process because yes. it was just too emotional. I mean, offer after offer, and they're just being not accepted or being, like, just beat like beat yeah like it, it, it's just it was a really weird it really you know time. I'm really actually it's it is a changing market and for a lot of real estate professionals it's going to be challenging for them to go into this market yeah I'm looking forward to the market that we're going into because it's going to be better for our clients it's going to be a market who where we have more of an ability to negotiate again because for the last two years buyers if you talk to buyers they did not negotiate they basically gave their first child to the to the seller right yeah they signed off on that yeah. sometime not really but you no know, but i mean serious really it yeah. was it was tough it was a tough market so 
right now, when we're talking about negotiating and offers, just know that when you're making an offer on a property, don't get emotionally invested into that property until your past inspection period, which we'll get to soon. Well, let's do that. Let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we can talk about the inspections. Great. I appreciate you being here. And hey, if you like what you're hearing, I encourage you to check out our website at sarazarella.com. And don't forget, you can actually subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. And I would so appreciate if you left a fabulous review on Apple Podcasts. Even better, share it with a friend. It's a great way to show your support. And now let's get back to the episode. Well, welcome back to Wedding Secrets Unveiled podcast, friends. So before the break, we were talking with Jen a little bit about the process of getting going with buying your first house. And she has a great giveaway that we are going to be running for you all to win a chance to have the book. Your first home. It is the Proven Path to Home Ownership book. Perfect. All right. So, Jen, before the break, we were talking about the offer, right? Yes. Now, inspections. Okay, so now your offer is accepted, right? So now we have to go through a period of figuring out if we're going to get inspections completed, if we're going to ask for requests from those inspections, and then the lending process. So let's talk a little bit about the inspection period. So every state is different with their inspection periods and what has to happen with responses from sellers and buyers and how that works. I'm going to talk in, in general form of when you are a first-time home buyer, nine times, nine and a half times, maybe more out of 10, you're going to have a home inspection. I always recommend home inspection for any buyer, uh, especially my first time home buyers. When you have your home inspection, you're really looking for the key factors that could be deficient. And what I mean by that are large items that could cause disrepair or high amount of funds to repair uh, in the near future or immediate. So what is that? It's most likely septics most likely furnaces, roofing, all of those big ticket items, you want to really make sure that you're asking the home inspector who is inspecting your property the the questions of, tell me more about why you just said the furnace is at the end of its useful life. Because you really want to learn a little bit more about the property. One, for the immediate. Do I need to request this from the seller? Two, for the Once I purchase this, what's the maintenance that has to happen that I need to be aware of so that way I could be a homeowner and make sure that I don't come into any large challenges in the first six months, year, two years owning a home? If you are at the point now where you want to get or you need to get your home inspected, how does the buyer go about doing this? So great question. And again, this is where you lean on your professional that's in your corner and working with you. Every time you're working with a professional, they're going to have a recommendation two or three for you, for the professionals that you need down the line. In this instance, it's the home inspector. So ask your real estate professional who they have used in the past that works with first-time home buyers or works with the type of property that you are purchasing. Then uh, that inspector is going to really get into the home. And before the inspector does their whole process, let them know what your big concerns are. So if you have looked through the property now a couple of times, you went, you made an offer, you're accepted, you know some details. You've been online looking at the pictures over and over and over again. And your agent probably knows a lot, too. That's right. 
That's yep. right. And the disclosures that you're looking at knows some some information as well. So you will you will want to ask the home inspector to keep an eye on certain things that you may have seen. Maybe you saw a stain in the ceiling. Maybe you saw uh, water stains in the in the basement that may indicate some flood areas or anything wires that are hanging anything like that if you've noticed that while you walk through the property always tell the inspector ahead of time I'm really concerned or would like to know more information about whatever X, that y, is and Z, right. right what are some tips that you can tell the listeners to look for when they are going through a house to think about the next step would be their inspection you just mentioned a couple right. like wires, stains, but what are some things that people should think about when they're kind of looking around? Right. So it just just that. It is be aware of the surroundings. So if you see that the septic cover is off, be aware of that. If you see peeling paint and the property was built prior to 1978, be aware of that, especially if you have children under the age of 6. Uh, lead paint is a is a big thing. So you want to just be aware of certain certain items like that. Windows that are uh, foggy, the seal might be broken. So pay attention to things that you might not be aware of when you're looking through property because you're really looking at the furniture instead right. of the actual <laughs> property itself. Yet your, your, your agent is looking at those things, by the way. Ask your agent what they saw that you might not have. What about now the appraisal? Oh, yes. So we're, we're through, we're Offer is accepted. We're going through inspections. Appraisal is going to be happening around the same time, if not a little after. That is something that your lender is going to handle. They send the appraiser out, and then the appraisal will come back. Either that meets what you need for your your lending purposes, or it might be higher, which means you have instant equity in your property, or sometimes it does come in a little bit lower. At that point, you would then have to renegotiate or figure out a plan with that seller on how you want to handle that. But you already know your leverage of what you can do with negotiations because you've already got your pre-qualified, you understand what you can and can't do that you're comfortable with with your payments. Absolutely. All right, so now we did inspections. We did the appraisal. So what happens next? Well, a clear to close and a getting ready for closing time is your next your next time. Uh, sometimes it's a lot of a hurry up and wait. A lot of the front end of purchasing a home is a lot to do in the beginning portions or a couple of weeks of making an offer and getting all your paperwork in. And it's a lot of rushing to get all that done to make sure inspections are completed, requests are done, uh, appraisal is completed, final documents are done. And then it's kind of a little bit of a waiting period until closing. So what I would say is during that time frame, do not buy anything. <laughs> I know we said it earlier. I have to say it again. Do you um, find that a lot, Jen, that you, people go and just like they, they, you're getting them to the finish line and then they go and do something like this? Unfortunately, yes. And, you know, lucky enough for me, sorry for the people who were purchasing, the property I live in currently, uh, I, I got the house because the buyers that were 90% of the way to the closing process purchased two new vehicles and um, their job changed a bit with overtime. With those three factors, they weren't able to purchase the property. Um, lucky enough for me, I did. And um, I'm very grateful for it, yet that's what happens. And it's very unfortunate that we hear stories like that quite a bit. Okay. That's why I've said it a couple times. Exactly. So that is kind of the takeaway right here, like if anything, right? And then like you said, like if you have the agent that's on your side, they should be telling you these things. But And they will, yet sometimes buyers just don't hear it. (laughs) Fair enough. Or hear enough to click or, or really like make an impact for them to understand. So yeah, that's that's why I, I always like to reiterate it. 
All right. <laughs> so then we're getting to the finish line, yes. right? Before we even talk about the closing in general, right? How, how long are you finding that this process sure. takes the first time home buyer? Great question. Uh, a typical sale is 30 to 30, 30 to 45 days. For first time home buyers, I would say it's probably going to be about the 45 to 60 day mark. Okay. 45 is probably where it should should be around. Yet you always have variables with different kinds of programs, what kind of request, repairs happening, all kinds of stuff. So I would say between 45 to 60 days. You know, I'm just kind of just thinking off the cusp right now. A lot of times from for me my couples they're planning a wedding, and I'm also hearing, like, they're buying a house. Mm. How does that even, like, happen, especially when, you know, you're talking about don't go buy big purchases? Are you, like, how do you navigate that to your clients if they're in that phase of life? Again, the way you navigate it is making sure you have the leverage and the support around you. It's not just going to be a real estate professional. It's going to be your family, your friends, your everything that is going to be in your corner to say, hey, um, maybe we shouldn't do X, Y, and Z to make sure that you can get A, B, and C. Right, right, right. (laughs) Fair enough. It's just things to be aware of. Absolutely. All right. So take me through the closing process. Sure. It's really, that's the easiest part. Oh, yeah. So you sign a lot of paperwork. Uh, and it's fun and exciting. You get keys to your your property that you have just gone through a great process with, and um, and then the trend now is you put your picture up on social media with your keys hanging or you're signing paperwork. You know, right? <laughs> yes, that is that is the trend. So so Sarah, I actually have not been out showing properties. Uh, myself, because I'm now the broker owner for the franchise, and I help agents do this, yet I still teach it, which I love. It's my passion. Good. Uh, Because you're very good at it. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I I love it. It really is my first time homebuyers was my first true love of real estate. So so anyway, this whole social media craze of the key thing is still something that (laughs) surprises me every time. It's really fun to see, um, and especially when when first time homebuyers are truly so excited about about getting those keys. It's just interesting, the trend. Oh, my gosh. You know? yes, yes, I mean, yes, ultimately, yes. you've been doing the same thing for 20 years, but you've seen trends. And, oh, yes. You know? you know what? Totally off the subject. What's happening right now in this world of letters? Oh, the love letters. Yes. So this is a big thing with the National Association Association of Realtors. And uh, just simply put, um, the recommendation is, is not to do them because uh, you could be viol- violating the fair housing so for people Act. who are listening who don't understand what we're talking about, kind of just explain sure. the, a little so, bit. So a, a, what what in our industry is called a love letter is a letter that goes along with an offer that might say why you want to purchase the home so badly, whether it be uh, that you knew somebody that lived in the house before, whether it be whatever the case is, you, you're writing a letter about the house, about you, about maybe even the seller. Um, by writing one of those letters to make an advantage to the seller has kind of backfired in our industry quite a bit and is now in front of, like I said, National Association of Realtors. And the, the advice is to stay away. So it's so funny you say that because literally, so I mean, I had a guest on two years ago when I first started this and we were talking about that because at the time, I, and, I, and I still am, I just put it on the side, but I'm trying to find an, a, another property, right? right? Yes, yeah, I, I, I meant, think I mentioned this to you. I, I put that on the side for right now in my life, but it was just so interesting because I was looking at properties and 
it, and I did end up at one particular property putting an offer in, and I got beaten out because like their love letter was X, Y, and Z, and I was just like, oh, I didn't realize you have to do these things, and I just was like, I, it baffled me. Um, that that was even happening, and and, it, and it's just there's this whole thing. I mean, Google it. <laughs> there's yeah. this whole thing. But I was wondering, for me, just something didn't pa- like like something didn't pa- um, pass the smell test, right? Like I just felt like like ethically that was just kind of. Well, that's why it's in front of National Association of Realtors yeah. right now and the Fair Housing Act. I mean, not because my personal – I'm just saying no, when it's... I started talking to realtors and understanding what this is and this trend, and, and I guess it was been around for a while, but it really started to boom when the market got a really competitive. I just I just couldn't wrap my head around that that was happening because right. there's so many avenues to that whole thing. No, you're absolutely right. When I first got started in 2001, the market was crazy, like crazy – good, I guess you yeah. could say, in, in one sense. And love letters were all the time. They weren't called love letters. They are called cover letters to an offer. Um, they, they just felt different, looked different, and were just a little different back in 2001. Still, do I think that they probably cross the line of fair housing sometimes? Absolutely. Yet they were looked at differently than, they, than the market that we went into. Yeah. I mean, in my particular situation, they ended up going with their, them, and because of their letter, but actually their financing situation did not pan out, and, the, and so they couldn't they couldn't right, move forward. Right. And they, but at the time, that's I, why they backfire. Some that, they backfire for many reasons. For many that's reasons, one of them. but that was that reason. And so then they came back to us. But at that point in my time, I, I have moved on. Right. So it just it just was interesting. So I'm just curious of like where that is at in your market right now. If anybody, I just had one of my agents ask me the other day about it, and I said recommendation from National Association Realtors. And myself as the broker <laughs> is going to be stay away from stay them. Stay away. And if your your buyer absolutely wants to write a letter, then as far as the agent goes, the agent shouldn't have anything to do with it. Let let the buyer take care of it with the seller directly and not the agents. Got it. All right. Yeah. Recommendation would be to pass on those. To pass on it. Yeah. I'm not surprised. It's just interesting. Again, it's not coming directly from me. I'm, I'm, I'm reading stuff yeah. from National Association Realtors. All right, so the good stuff. You got the keys. What yes. happens after the closing? So you, you get the keys, and you know a lot of times you really have to watch out for this. Sometimes, yeah, a lot of times people close at the end of the month on a Friday, and maybe later in the day. Here's the thing with that. Oh, do tell. A couple of things, right? So if you're closing later in the day, in order for you to take ownership or possession of the property, you have to be recorded at the town or city hall. Okay. Oh. And and some town and city halls still don't have virtual or online processes. So a runner has to go to the town or city hall, record that before you could officially take possession. Now, does it happen where buyers and sellers agree that they could go in ahead? Yes. Yet has there been challenges where the runner gets to record the property and something comes up? Yes. So uh, with that said, I have a couple of tips. One, Try not to close at the end of a month. Why? Because a lot of other people are. So if you're closing more towards the middle of the month, you're going to have more attention on your file because not a lot of people are closing during that time frame. So you have more attention from the lender to the closing attorney or title attorney, title company, whatever it is, they're going to be able to have more time because there's not 10 or 20 or 30 files being closed on the same day. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. The other thing is close as early as you can in the, during the day. 
So that way you can get recorded and officially have those keys and move into the property. If you close later on the day on a Friday, you have a really high chance of not being recorded, not being funded, so the seller is not getting their proceeds, and you could come up with more challenges, and that means maybe not moving into the property. You could be like a squatter at that point. <laughs> well, there's a lot of lot of factors that could go into that, and uh, I've, I've seen I've seen a lot in my day. <laughs> oh, you know what, though? That reminds me of something. Do you have a, like a good little story you could tell me? A good little story. I could tell you probably my most mortifying um, embarrassment story. Ooh, yes. do tell, Jen. Okay, so I was very young. Uh, I was like I told you, I was 22 when I got into real estate, and I had just got my license probably within the first month or two. And I was working with an investor, and I was really excited that I had this investor that I was working with. Uh, and I really didn't know what I was doing, to be honest with you. It was 2001. The market was very similar to what we saw the last couple of years. Crazy. Well, you were you were like what your students are right now. Right, right. you were. You know, it's new, green. Very, very green, yes. So I was meeting this investor at a multifamily, three family, up and down stairs, many units, basements, things like that. Uh, when I arrived, I, I was, <laughs> so I was driving a, a sports car, like a Mitsubishi sports car back in 2001. Yeah, before you had children? Yeah, well before <laughs> I had children or just a child. So, um, and it was winter. I had a jacket on that was probably to my knees, maybe a little higher length. And I have to tell this detail because it goes along with it. So it, it was suede on the outside and faux fur on the inside. It was a gift from my boyfriend at the time. I did not like it. Um, he loved it and really wanted me to wear it to my investor showing. So I wore this, um, this jacket that I really didn't love, but wore it with a skirt. And I went to go show the property. So I get out of my sports car. I go there. By the way, there's about 100 people there. Okay. Okay. That's the market, right? There's so many people there. Um, I meet my investor. We're walking the whole entire property up and downstairs to the basement, to the third floor, and then three times over. Well, by the third unit, we're walk around the outside to get into the last unit. And my legs were feeling very cold. So I just took a glance down at my jacket, and all I saw was my jacket and legs. (laughs) No skirt was there. Like, it was a long skirt. It went down to my ankle, so it was a long skirt. Instant mortification. It was gone. Like, I looked. There was no skirt there. So I quickly walked into the house, let everybody go in front of me, and I shut a door to, like, try and, like, find my skirt yeah, and it push wasn't it down. there. I had to unbutton my jacket. The waist had gone up uh, up high and it was static clinged, twisted in my faux fur jacket <laughs> where it took me quite a long time to unstatic cling and untwist this skirt to get it to get it down. So, needless to say, the entire showing it looked like I was wearing zero. Well, you you pants. were the showing. <laughs> Mortified. Oh, Jack. Absolutely more To this, I never called my investor back or worked with him because I was so mortified that he thought that I just showed up to a showing with no pants on. <laughs> so, Jen. yes. Yeah. Hey, I, that's a good one. I was going to say we've all been there, but we haven't. No. 
No, it was <laughs> still embarrassed by it. Is this property local? Yes. So you drive by all the time and just have to be reminded of. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> when it's off right off the highway in Cranston in Rhode Island oh. here. So it yes. Well, you know, you know we have to start somewhere, Jen. <laughs> that was not where I wanted to start. I will tell you, I did get Rookie of the Year. <laughs> that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yes. Well, Jen, it's time for our wrap-up question. With that said, what are some key points that couples should be considering when exploring their first home purchase? So I would say the first and foremost is as educate yourself educate yourself. One of the reasons that I have this book with me today is because it's it's your first point of education. I'm sure you've Googled a lot. Yeah, educate and talk to your professional that is going to help you through the process. So I would say those are the top two things. Get educated, find your professional. And the third thing is, is go through the process and don't get emotionally set on a property until you are clear to close. There is a full process that happens and you will find the right property for you. I truly believe in the 20 plus years I've been doing this, everything works out for a reason for the buyers and sellers out there. You will find the right property for you and trust the process. That's a good one because I just, you know, there's so many things in life that don't equal such a great investment, which is your first home. So I'm sure that you can get a little emotionally involved with something that you shouldn't, right? Yes. Until it's yours. Yes. <laughs> yep. It is an investment, and you're truly going to use it as that as you, you grow your, your family, your life, and your future. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Wedding Secrets Unveiled. You helped our listeners become one step closer to their stress-free wedding planning process with helping them and educating them on their first home purchase. Can you tell everybody where they could find you? Sure. So uh, my email is jbove at kw.com. That's j-b-o-v-e at kw.com. And I am at Keller Williams Coastal in Rhode Island, and I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions anybody has about today's episode or anything. And what I'll do for our listeners is I'll have Jen's inf- information on our episode show notes, which you can find on our blog and our website, which is at sarazarella.com backslash podcast. Well, thank you, Jen. Thank you so much, Sarah. It was really great being here today. Thank you for listening to Wedding Secrets Unveiled. I appreciate you being here. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to tell you something. I encourage you to check out our website at sarahzarella.com. We love photographing while having fun, of course. Check out our podcast page on our website for our show notes along with upcoming episodes with your local wedding experts. Listen in as we help you plan your epic event. And don't forget that you can actually subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate if you left a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Even better, share it with a friend. It's a great way to show your support and let us know what you think. If you know any wedding experts that would like to be a guest, we have a link directly on our website where they can let us know. Thank you for listening.